0: Welcome, I'm so glad you can join us on Mission Evolution, where we bring the latest knowledge from today's leading experts to support your evolutionary process. I'm your host, Gwilda This hour, we'll explore the healing field and spiritual evolution. Healing and spiritual evolution are intimately connected. Evolution requires not only personal healing, but ancestral healing, as many of our blocks are contained in our very DNA. Yet, physical healing is only a small part of the necessary corrections required to embrace our potential. Our energetic makeup is every bit, if not more important, in the larger scheme of things. To address this, we need energy healing. Ironically, to move forward in our, into our evolution, we may need to draw on concepts and energy healing modalities from the ancient past. Joining us from Istanbul, Turkey, to discuss this fascinating topic is Peter Mark Adams. Peter is a professional author that's been fascinated by ancient civilizations, earth mysteries, magic, mythology, and shamanism for over 50 years. He specializes in energy healing using a range of techniques. His latest book is The Power of Healing Field, Energy Medicine, PSI Abilities, and Ancestral Healing. His website, PeterMarkAdams.com. Peter, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution.
1: Hi there, Gilda. Thank you very much for inviting me on.
0: Well, it's it's a wonderful thing. And here you are, clear in Turkey, and I'm in Colorado, and um, we're going to bring this stuff together in a good way, I think. So start out with, Peter, uh, your bio didn't say, what is your educational background?
1: My educational background is formal philosophy, that's to say uh, analytic philosophy, three years of formal logic, mathematical logic, philosophy of science, the theory of meaning, and um, of course epistemology, the theory of knowledge. So it's very hardcore, hard-edged Anglo-American philosophy.
0: So how did you get from there to being interested in energy healing?
1: That's a, that's a huge jump, isn't it? Um, I th- I think one incident was more formative for me than almost any number of books, and that was when I first uh, experienced fam- family constellation therapy. I went along as an observer, and uh, I got pulled into the most extraordinary world, and it it certainly opened my eyes for the first time to the full dimensions of the healing experience and how it how it seems to operate on so many different planes of existence
0: well now you're trained in quite a few different modalities would you mind letting us know what those are
1: yeah primarily um, variations of breath work rebirthing breath work integrative uh breath work um vivation um Aside from those, I've been practicing Osui Reiki for last, I don't know, 25 years or so, and uh, graduated from there to good old EFT, the Emotional Freedom Techniques that are nearly universal now, I would guess.
0: Are these um, modern techniques actually rooted in ancient forms?
1: Certainly, Reiki has a deep tradition throughout Central Asia, all the way through China to Japan. So we, we have some indigenous forms of hands-on healing here in Turkey. They're passed on through uh, Sufi lineages, lineages, certain family traditions. Um, so certainly in that case, they are. Um, for the meridian therapies or um, primovascular uh, systems, as they're now called, um, I think we would have to look for or towards acupuncture as, as the uh, major source of inspiration for the latest traditions of, of energy healing. So they're, how, they're essentially modifications of ac- acupuncture.
0: And how about breath work? That's pretty ancient as well, isn't it? That is probably the most
1: ancient form of uh, modality for changing awareness and for healing. And, uh, of course, it's characteristic of shamanic practice. So I, I suspect it probably uh, goes back to the Paleolithic.
0: So uh, how does it relate to the shamanic practice? I understand the shamanic practice predominantly uses altered state of consciousness um, journey trance. It has, has breath related to that.
1: Yeah. So the, the main characteristic um if you undergo rebirthing breath work is that you utilize a circular breathing. I say you, you inhale and through either nostrils or mouth and exhale um, with, without putting any force into it. So you make a cycle of the breath. And what you find is that very, very quickly, your inner energy starts to climb very highly. You're very quickly moving into an altered state of consciousness through that. Within two or three minutes, I would say.
0: So, by inner energy, you're, are you, are you talking about brainwaves? Because that's the where the consciousness shifts, isn't it, going from um, beta to alpha and theta?
1: Okay, what I'm talking about is is what we call uh, key energy, which is stored in the body. It's it's the energy used in yoga, in the martial arts, in the east, um, and it's directly connected to the breath. So. There's an old metaphor from Central Asia, which is to say that the uh, consciousness is is like a lame rider and the energy is like a blind horse. But when you combine the two, you have a movement of consciousness in a dynamic direction. So, so- it's...
0: I'm sorry. So how does this key energy relate to the meridians, the chakras, the acupuncture points? Are they all interconnected in some way?
1: They are totally interconnected. Yes, the, the, uh, the energy is actually a field like phenomena, but it, it has a, a vascular, a primo vascular system that runs throughout the body. And just a, I think a year or so ago, uh, they were able to photograph this system. So it is a new addition to our biological anatomy. Okay, It, it is really there.
0: I understand that in Eastern traditions, the energy fields, in Eastern medical traditions, the energy fields were taken more into consideration than they have been here in the West. Is that true? And is that changing?
1: It's certainly true. um, Although there's strong evidence for acupuncture in Europe in the late Bronze Age, if you can imagine, they found a... uh, a desiccated corpse in the Alps when the snow uh, retreated, and the body is dated to the Bronze Age, and it has a pattern of tattoos on it, which directly correspond with the acupuncture, modern acupuncture points that would need to be treated for the physical conditions that body was uh, exhibiting. And that, that's, that shows that there was a system, not yes, a full system of acupuncture, fully compatible with that in the East, in Europe at that early date.
0: That's pretty fascinating, isn't it? We've lost track of, of um, or if we ever had, how widespread these modalities used to be. What do you see as the value as bringing them back?
1: I think that uh, there are limits on pharmacology, namely the the byproducts, um, the problems with addiction, and the fact that the body is naturally a healing organism. It is what it does itself. So that we need to look for uh, obstructions or blockages to that healing process. And very often we end up treating symptoms in the West and not the root causes. And in our practice, certainly over the last 25 years, the root causes that we have seen for much physical illness has been largely emotional.
0: Why do you suppose that is, Peter?
1: I think it's just the stress of modern living, to, be, to, you know, to put it frankly. Uh, people are under too much pressure, and they're not able to harmonize themselves in the day-to-day rush of life. We're inundated with communication and and, uh, travel, work hours, uh, deadlines. It's fairly unique, I think, in the human experience, Uh, probably in the last hundred years, at the most, in our 35,000 year history, that humans have
0: been subjected to these kind of stresses. And we have been discovering that, that stress is hugely detrimental to the physical body. Um, and in the Eastern way of viewing, is that because it creates blockages that inter- interferes with this flow?
1: Yeah, I think in the West, we would say it generates cortisol, you know, the stress response. Um, but the power of the Eastern view is that it looks underneath the biochemical reactions to the underlying nature of the body, which is, is a bio. Um, electromagnetic organism. And so we're able now to start measuring the electromagnetic fields of the different parts of the body. And we've even developed uh, main, mainstream medicine. Um, I'm thinking of pulsed electromagnetic frequency therapy which uh, plays back the key frequencies to the organs of the body and facilitates their healing. So we have a model now in the West in mainstream uh, medicine, which corresponds very much to what what they have been doing in the
0: East. So if we can consciously as individuals start to reset ourselves, will this counteract the stress we're looking at?
1: Yeah, I think, I think when you say reset, it's, it, it's often a question of um, lifestyle and, and that includes exercise and diet as primary components of that. Um, and, and that's certainly where everyone should be starting if they're thinking of a recovery process. And well, we're going,
0: on- to, we're going to have to look at recovery processes and how to reset and the things that we need to consider on the other side of a commercial break. Peter and I will return shortly, so don't you go away. This is Mission Evolution. For more information or to peruse our past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. This is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. With this this hour, discussing energy healing is Peter Mark Adams. His website, petermarkadams.com. Peter, we were just getting into methods or things that we can consider as individuals to uh, start to reset our body when it's been inundated with stress. Would you mind continuing with that thought?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think for me, the the first thing is to get attuned to the feelings that you have during the course of the day. Uh, very often, we're in such a rush, we just kind of get on with things. But um, to really promote a reset of our psychophysical being, we have to become aware of the anger, the uh, fear, the boredom that arises, the impatience that arises from day to day. And that really becomes our benchmark for improvement. We have to be able to handle those uh, negative emotions rather than ignore them.
0: And does that tie into breathwork? Because I know if I get really, you know, start to really get pulled off by the stress around me, if I just stop and take that deep breath, it'll sometimes help. Um, is, is that um, something that you consider? Um, If we're dealing
1: with rebirthing breathwork, which is far more heavy uh, session, something like 45 minutes intense breathing, that will, over the course of three or four sessions, fundamentally reset your psychophysical organism. But it's not for everyone because it is intense. There are a range of modalities and people really need to select those which are uh, best accord with with their nature.
0: How much does that have to do with how much unprocessed um, emotion we have stored?
1: Oh, that's massive. I mean, uh, we're seeing cases in which the root cause, no matter what the day-to-day situation, is in an area which has been called perinatal. That's to say within the womb and through the birth process. And that's extraordinarily early uh, to have a stress response set up. Uh, Beyond that, the the next phase we would say is infanthood. And uh, we're seeing that um, marked trauma in that period tends to be very persistent into adult health as well. So that um, we're looking very early in life for the root causes of the stress response so that later episodes in life tend to build on those building blocks. Okay, So we can get back to those and start dealing with them we're really going to have a reset in our psychophysical being.
0: Well, you were speaking about getting to the root cause of things. But if you think about the energy field that surrounds us, that impacts our children and the stress the adults are under, whether it's the mother with the child in her utero or just the environment of the home, aren't the stressors of our time impacting the children in a negative way?
1: Absolutely. So is our diet.
0: So how, how, so would you go into that a little bit for us?
1: Okay, I mean, people need to recognize that uh, processed food and red meat is, is not good for you. It's, you know, a lot of sugar, sugar is a poison and they need to take steps to start eliminating these. Um, we need to take control of our digital uh, communication. It mustn't overwhelm the family context, which it so often does. And therefore, it it, it severs the lines of communication and empathy within a family. So that's another basic step. But beyond that, people today can begin to empower themselves with the new energy healing modalities. They're simple, they're easy to learn, and they're highly effective. And I would recommend everyone to master at least one or two of them.
0: So do you suggest that a person goes and has these energy modalities Sees which one works for them, but then also learns self care through the modality?
1: Absolutely. The the great benefit of them is that they empower you to begin to manage your own emotional life. And um, a lot of the learning can be done online now, which is one of the huge benefits of of the internet. You can access training in most of the core energy healing techniques online. Um, And you can always find a trained practitioner nearby. to go and work with them on your own issues as you build up confidence in using them.
0: Well, one of the disadvantages of the internet is um, the lack of regulation uh, as far as modalities go and practitioners go. How can you find reputable help on the internet and know that that's what you have?
1: Yeah, the best thing is is to uh, utilize referral. To find people that you do trust and see who they have worked with. Um, I think this works more than anything else. Um, There are some people who originated some of these techniques that you can get in touch with, and generally they have a good network of people that they know and trust. So you do need to take these steps if you're going to seriously engage with the techniques.
0: Sometimes people can become overwhelmed. I mean, if you're sitting in front of a computer screen learning the technique and all of a sudden find yourself in trouble. And then again, we have the pandemic to where you can't necessarily always visit one on one with a practitioner. What steps should a person take at that point? Okay, I always
1: say that we need to um, approach all our inner development um, gently. So you you need to be aware of how you're responding. You shouldn't be looking to make radical change the first couple of times you attempt these things. You need to take it very slowly and make sure you're always in your comfort zone. And and you're in your comfort zone, whether you're working alone at home or whether you're with a therapist. There's no development uh, modality um, should ever be practiced beyond that, your own comfort zone, whatever that is. It seems like you monitor it.
0: There's been a lot of dumbing down and many of us aren't aware we're leaving our comfort zone until we're already in trouble. What are some of the signs that you are indeed pushing beyond your river? Just that you start feeling uh, overwhelming emotions
1: coming up. None of these techniques should be practiced uh, so that you're having overwhelming feelings. Um, You shouldn't start, for instance, to breathe heavily. Um, Any sign of distress, tightening up, um, contracting is normally the first sign that you're on the edge of your comfort zone. And at that point, you should call it a day and and come back to, to a more comfortable state.
0: When you call it a day, Peter, is there something that you can do to kind of re- resettle yourself? If you found you push the envelope a little bit, um, say, take a walk. Is there is there something that you suggest a person does to just get away from it and, and rebalance? Oh,
1: absolutely. Walking is, you know, bliss. take the dog for a walk if you have one. Um, and mindfulness meditation is always good, uh, I find at least. And I, I, I see that as kind of a core discipline to have anyway so that you can just be in your own space peacefully for a period of time, 10, 15 minutes. Um, And that does more to recharge your batteries than almost anything I know.
0: So after a session, uh, uh, whichever modality you've chosen, if you do some mindfulness meditation recenter through it and then take a walk, is that going to pull you back and, and so that you can process what you've already accessed?
1: Oh, yeah, that should, that should definitely do it. And if you have friends and family you can, you can be with and talk to, that will also be a great comfort.
0: It, it's amazing what this isolation has done, done to us, isn't it?
1: It is indeed. It's been a very unique experience, I think. for I can't think of another age in which it's happened quite so intensely.
0: But we've been isolating ourselves without meaning to all along. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Well, it certainly caused a lot of us to look
1: inwards in a way and and, and to a depth that we probably wouldn't have ordinarily.
0: (laughs) There's always a silver lining. I'd like to change gears just a little bit. And would you please tell us what is the healing field? Okay.
1: Um, Let me go back to uh, the family constellation therapy I attended, because in that one experience, I saw all the dimensions that I now call the healing field. Basically, constellation therapy, you show up. There's a couple of people who want therapy and there's a group of complete strangers in the room and the therapist. The person who wants therapy selects people at random from that group and positions them in the middle of the room to represent key members of their family. Then a very strange thing happens the the person who wants the therapy sits down and the therapist goes around the group of people who are surrogates for the family members. And those people will be having an emotional overlay, which is not their own, which is an extraordinary thing. They will be accessing thoughts, feelings, physical posture of people who they don't know and who may, in any case, be long dead. In other words, the symbolic react- reenaction of that family unit in that space is sufficient to generate a field that gives
0: access to the problem. That's pretty fascinating. So is this um, through our electromagnetic fields that extend outside of our body are carrying this information and the surrogate is picking it up? How's that working? So
1: this takes us to the question of what is consciousness, which is perhaps one of the most profound questions uh, at large today. We're at a very interesting juncture uh, in time in history right now because there's there's like seven major movements converging on a view of consciousness which is quite radically different from one we've lived with for the last two to three hundred years. Um, many of us would be familiar with integral theory, for instance, from Sri Aurobindo right through to Ken Wilber. Um, they, they coined
0: the concept of the supermind of consciousness as, as, as a universal force. Well, Peter, um, we're going to need to pick up on consciousness on the other side of a break. Peter and I will return to our discussion shortly. It's just getting interesting, so you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution. For more information or to find past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. back. This is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. Our guest this hour is Peter Mark Adams. We're speaking about the healing field. His website, petermarkadams.com. Peter, we were broaching a huge, huge topic, a very interesting one, of consciousness. Would you mind continuing where you were? Yes,
1: I I was saying that there are kind of seven major movements uh, afoot today, which are converging on a model of consciousness, which is probably the most ancient one, but one which has been largely forgotten for the past 300 years or so. Um, And I was mentioning the integral theory, that movement from Sri Aurobindo to Ken Wilber. Um, I may mention also transpersonal psychology, another movement. Uh, very much uh, thinking in terms of a universal field of consciousness. Um, What is interesting today is that we have the first evidence coming through that scientists and philosophers are also beginning to converge on the notion that consciousness is a universal factor in reality. I'm thinking of Rupert Sheldrake's work on what he calls the morphic field.
0: So uh, let me interrupt you for just a second are we talking about the unified field as well Is this uh one and the same i think what we're
1: talking about is if if i can give you a metaphor is a a coin has two sides and one side is physical reality and the other side is consciousness and we're not talking about dualism here there's only one thing but it has two faces so the The quantitative side of the coin, physical reality, is the measurable side of science. The qualitative uh, side of the coin is raw experience. Okay, But there's only one coin, and and this view is, is called panpsychism in philosophy. And it's now coming for the first time in, as I say, 300 years or so, to dominate discourse about consciousness it means we're talking about a universal field of consciousness totally
0: interwoven with physical reality okay And this is nothing new. It's just that we're starting to become aware of it or aware of it again. Isn't it also spoken of in ancient texts
1: and such? It is indeed. You can find it in the uh, Vedanta. You'll find it in the pre-Socratic philosophers uh, thousands of years ago. But today, um, the world system is dominated by a kind of scientific materialism. What is unique is that scientific materialism is beginning to absorb this concept into itself and work with it. And that, that is a massive shift.
0: It's amazing if you follow, you know, because esoteric people are studying the same thing scientists are. We're trying to figure out what makes life work. And if you follow them both far enough, they're going to have a head-on collision, aren't they?
1: They absolutely are. And that's, that's what's happening now. Um, I see the recent philosophical conferences, international conferences, dedicated to the subject of panpsychism, which is extraordinary. Probably 10 years ago, people would have been laughing about it in philosophy departments. Now it's serious business.
0: How do you think that's going to aid us as individuals in our evolutionary process? I think the first
1: thing is that the healing modalities, which have been excluded from Um, mainstream medicine for so long are going to find their place their natural place within our education and within our medical system Um, i think it'll shift focus from treating problems to preventing problems and i think in preventive medicine is where we'll see the real big payoff from all this
0: we You mentioned that the the human body is hardwired to heal. It's its natural operation is to heal itself on a daily basis. We have to have pushed it awfully far to get so imbalanced that it cannot. What do you think are our first steps to coming back from that?
1: First step is diet. You you have to exclude the things that are poisoning your body. And that's most processed food, sugar, um, alcohol. So I'm not saying that you should become completely abstention in abstention of these things. But you, you, you need to modify and control your use of them. Um, that, that's like first step everyone should take. Detoxify, essentially.
0: When we detoxify, are we actually raising our frequency or clearing our mental faculty enough to do the rest?
1: Absolutely. That, that's why it's such a critical first step. You stop breaking the chain of addiction um, behind that drives the desire for processed food.
0: So th- this malaise that we're in, because we've dropped our frequency with unnatural things that we've eaten, but our body is actually built out of at this point. It's a reversal process, I would expect. What can one expect to experience while you're going through that?
1: While you're going through it, um, probably you'll uh, (laughs) experience a lot of frustration that you can't get those poisons. (laughs) Your body kind of gets addicted to them. Um, And again, the the energy healing techniques that we have can be a huge assistance in that process of detoxifying, help you deal with the raw emotions that may come up when you uh, drop your favorite uh, foods.
0: So then once we've more or less purified our bodies um, so that we start clearing our heads, then what's the next step?
1: I would say it's, you need to master your thoughts. Um, uh, and what, what I mean by that is most of us have certain negative tapes that start playing like early in the morning or late at night. And these tapes uh, always tell us the same story, same negative story. And what, I, what I'd recommend is that whenever you hear one of these tapes starting off, you switch it off. Just like it's a machine, you switch it off, you keep switching it off until it stops playing. And you can achieve that in like a week to 10 days if you rigorously do so. Refuse to listen to your own library of negative tapes.
0: And uh, where does that library come from, Peter?
1: Oh gosh, it's built up from childhood largely, I think. Early conditioning and uh, traumatic and emotionally upsetting experiences.
0: So we're talking uh, um, predominantly here today about energy healing. Where does the energy that does the energy healing come from?
1: Okay. It's, it's, it is integral to uh, the life itself. It's, it's in all um, organic life. The energy is, um, the energy can be concentrated, and I think that's what makes it stand out from the background. So, the, for instance, when we uh, deal with, say, Reiki or rebirthing breathwork, we have a concentration of energy, and it becomes so intense you can't miss it. But actually, it's there in the background all the time. It's not like you're creating it. You're simply concentrating it for healing
0: so, so how do we accurately wield this energy? So, a, a practitioner would be wielding the energy on behalf of someone else, offering it. I, I take it. How do you do? You, is there some clearing you have to do within yourself before you can accurately uh, wield the energy for someone else? Most of the
1: techniques are well defined, so that as long as you uh, keep uh, within the protocol, there's no danger. Um, so I, I don't actually see a problem in that in that respect. All of us are at some stage of, of inner cleansing and purification and development. We shouldn't let that uh, become an obstacle to learning, practicing, and even delivering these, these healing modalities to others, or indeed to your, your pets, family and and, and other animals.
0: Is there a kind of a natural checks and balances with this energy? In other words, you can't access more than you can responsibly wield based on how clear you are.
1: I think that's certainly true of Reiki. That's been my experience this last quarter century with it. Um, It's it's never overwhelming. Uh, Rebirthing breathwork is a different kettle of fish because, of course, you're you're forcing your own breathing rhythm. So that can quickly get out of hand. Uh, and you need to be aware of that if you're going to do it. Uh, you should never practice alone, for instance. Okay, so Reiki is okay. Uh, Rebirthing breath work should be facilitated. Um, the middle ground of energy techniques, and again, I just mentioned emotional freedom techniques, it's like the great grandfather of energy healing in the West, uh, can be safely practiced by anyone, anytime. I, I don't know of any downside to that technique whatsoever.
0: How long has that one been around? I mean, we've already ascertained that most of these have drawn on ancient traditions to, yeah. to be formed in the modern format that we find them. How long has that particular one been around?
1: Well, I think it was developed by Gary Craig in the 80s. That's, that's the best man. He, he developed it from a technique that wasn't being experimented with previously. Uh, certainly by the 80s, he was
0: practicing that pretty fascinating and what nationality was he he was
1: oh he's american yeah okay
0: interesting in california
1: i think gary craig an incredible figure
0: and i take it this technique is something that one can learn online as well as uh get lessons in yeah it's
1: it's really simple practical fast acting i mean it's it's just an amazing wonderful technique
0: what does it evolve is it a breathing technique
1: no, it's, it's simply that you you have a, a disturbing emotion or pain, uh, physical pain if necessary, and you just tap on the meridian heads, uh, which is the um, points at which the meridians, the major meridians in the body start. And you just tap on them as you focus on that emotion. And that kinetic action is sufficient to dislodge the emotion. The, the energy body resets. And it's oh, so
0: this this is, uh, and we're just about out of time in this segment, but you, what you're talking about, some people call tapping, yes? Yeah, absolutely. Pretty fascinating. Well, we do need to take that break. Peter and I will be back shortly to continue our discussion, so don't go away. This is Mission Evolution. For more information or to find archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. Speaking of gifted people of service, this hour we're sharing thoughts with Peter Mark Adams. His website, PeterMarkAdams.com. Peter, we were getting into the different healing modalities that one can engage on their own. And um, talking about the the checks and balances and and what we can do on our own and what we really need to have help with. And I think the information has been so very, very useful for our listeners. Um, So how does... This subtle energy, if it if it's subtle at all. How does working with this energy, with our energy fields, how is that going to help us evolve spiritually and as individuals?
1: Okay, so now we move our awareness towards the fact that consciousness, the field of consciousness, is coextensive with physical reality. And that we in our immediate awareness are just participating in a tiny corner of a larger continuous field of awareness that encompasses every sentient being in the universe. This is a very different perspective from the one that most of us have grown up with. Okay. Now, from the perspective of a healer, what we see is that certain traumas in the past have created blockages and, and uh, distortions in, in the local field of a person. but. These can also be inherited through the ancestral line. In other words, injustices going back into the past exist within the larger field of consciousness. And this is what is like, felt like a dead weight um, for certain groups. So if we're gonna talk about spiritual evolution, we have to talk about the healing of the deeper problems and scars within the field of consciousness. So the two are related. Consciousness is naturally, ecstatically in the moment. And the only thing that holds it back from being so is the dead weight. In our own private cases, the dead weight of our own histories, of our own biochemical makeup of the experiences we've been through. So this is true for for all sentient beings. So as we start to cleanse and purify our own consciousness, which is the bit that we can do, and as we help others to do the same, we are in the process of raising the vibrationary level of the field in general. And this is, in, in my view, the essence of what spiritual evolution is about because it allows the emergence of higher orders of ethical being.
0: So we um, have accumulated over the ages, uh, a fair amount of damage and restrictions. Am I to understand that that's been passed down genetically and now we're being confronted with trying to clear that?
1: I think it's, it's the choice that everyone makes who wants to be on the spiritual path. Not everyone does, but you have a commitment to uh, clearing ethical injustice from your own ancestral line um, and helping others to do the same so that ethics is fundamentally interwoven in the field of consciousness. So when we talk about spirituality, we talk about ecstatic experience, but we cannot exclude ethics and justice.
0: Well, what, do you, what do you mean by ethics and justice exactly? How, how does that look when you're trying to, to clear your field and uh, connect and clear the unified field?
1: Okay, so when we um, encounter cases of healing in which somebody has suffered some injustice in their childhood, it emerges as a trauma. It has a physical, mental, and emotional component. Okay, but the root cause of it is the experience of injustice. Okay, being treated badly, basically. And this is a universal phenomenon, all sentient beings experience it. And it becomes a dead weight in their own spiritual progression because those negative feelings get activated during the course of the day. We feel anger, impatience, all kinds of sadness, fear, anxiety. So you cannot get to a spiritual state of being whilst you're encumbered with negative emotions. So the healing process is designed to begin to um, release these negative feelings from the field, and that improves the field's flow, its harmony. And it's that harmony that is the support of higher states of consciousness. We talked so, earlier about uh, energy and consciousness as, as two sides of a coin. So by improving the quality of energy, you raise your awareness.
0: So let me, let me see if I can understand this. We have injustices um, that we've in this lifetime. And they, they cause a ding in the system, if you will. Then every time something similar to what caused the injustice to start out with shows up in our day-to-day life, we're then thrown out of the present moment where we have connection with things into the historic history of, of, the, of the damage. That I get. How does that relate with the unified field? How does that history show up? All of that is taking place within the field.
1: That's the difference. That's that's the reset of the panpsychic view of reality. It's all a field. And we're all participating in that same one field. We don't so have... S- I'm
0: sorry. You're saying that if we start correcting and clearing those things in our field, our personal field, that throw us out of the moment and out of unity, out of connection with unity, then that's also going to impact the unified field in a positive way.
1: Absolutely. And and we see this uh, reported time and again, we have people coming to us for healing, they get healed, and immediately their relationships improve with their family, in their workspace, in their creative lives. So personal clearing immediately manifests in their local field. They, they see it almost the day after.
0: And okay. how does that impact the overall field? The more people that participate in this healing process and become more present. I would call
1: that the spiritual path, you know, for everyone who's on the spiritual path. This is a way forward. And we don't know how long it's going to take, but this is the work.
0: It's, it's an amazing job. Is there something going on? um uh, energy-wise, planetary-wise, that's supporting this more now than in times past? I mean, we're talking about things now that weren't even considered 50 years ago, uh, except by very few. Is there something going on that's supporting this at this time? Okay, so if we are accepting the view that
1: the total universe is woven together, uh, all sentient life is within one field of consciousness, Then we have to acknowledge perhaps that within that field of consciousness, there's many different grades or levels of order of being. And and this is going to be difficult for a lot of people. But in fact, uh, it's been a belief part of the human belief system since the Paleolithic that we are accompanied through life by higher order beings. Okay, so that has got very much out of favor uh, in modernity. It it is retained in certain traditions like the higher Yoga Tantra, certainly in shamanism. Um, There's a lot of traditions around it. Retain this respect for assistance from other dimensions or other orders of being. And I believe that, for instance, with the Sui Reiki, we are directly connected to a source of energy, which is not my energy. When I give healing, I simply
0: channel it. Okay. Isn't so that it lovely? Isn't it lovely to recognize that we're really not alone in this and there is a cyst out there.
1: Yeah. In fact, I, I, I can give you a, a, a very simple anecdote about this, if you like,
0: Wilder. I went well, to see. If it's short, because we're about to run out of time.
1: Okay. I went to see um, an American uh, teacher uh, and he, he works with a group of beings called the Hathors, he says, And the strange thing is that as he sings, his voice opens up into the most beautiful frequencies. And there on the stage, I saw like six or seven columns of light, three or four meters tall. Um, I think I was fairly unique in seeing them. Um, And after this this performance was over, somebody asked him in the audience, what do these beings look like? And he said, oh, when they manifest, he said they
0: manifest as tall columns of light. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Just amazing. Peter, we are just about out of time. Could you please tell us, what is your miss- mission?
1: Okay, it, it, it's, it, it's spiritual uh, growth. That, that's, that's the whole thing. It's not, nothing else. Day-to-day healing,
0: helping others, and spiritual growth. That's a worthy mission. And I'm really glad you're on the planet doing it. And we can find your book on your website, yes? Absolutely. Okay, wonderful. Well, I would recommend that book. I have read it. And it's it's a lovely book, as is your work, sir.
1: Thank you so much, Will. It's been a pleasure.
0: It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Hopefully, we can do it again sometime. You take care of turkey now, you hear? Yes, I will. (laughs) Somebody needs to, right? (laughs) Unfortunately, we are out of time. Peter, again, thank you so much for coming on. Our guest this hour has been Peter Mark Adams. He's the author of Power of the Healing Field, Energy Medicine, PSI Abilities, and Ancestral Healing. Peter is a professional author that also specializes in energy healing. His website, PeterMarkAdams.com. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka. For more information or to access past episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. Please join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to a rapidly evolving world.